Bloody Elbow presents the MMA Vivisection, the show that gives you a comprehensive breakdown and expert analysis of all the fights happening on this week's UFC main card. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your hosts, Bloody Elbow fight analysts Zane Simon and Connor Rebush. Hey everybody, welcome back to the MMA Vivisection with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, the thoroughly exhausted Connor Rebush. That's me. (laughs) We've been working him like a dog over here. That's right. I have such a hard job, Zane. Yeah, yeah. I envy these construction workers and commercial fishermen and firemen and like their jobs are so easy compared to the shit i have to put up with that's right you go down to the to the lat to, to the local to, to, to the to the local fast food joint to your mcdonald's and you go up to the counter and you say i wish i could be you <laughs> you don't know how good you have it that's right yeah it's like uh it's like a scene in uh in the show rome where uh pompey says uh uh how 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 wonderful to be a slave to make no decisions to have no options how very restful it must be yeah <laughs> that's me talking to a literal slave <laughs> telling him how how good he has it that's right yep uh it's tough out there <laughs> anyway i am on zero sleep but i am ready to talk about uh a card with some very very interesting and very very strange matchups on it yeah, this is a weird card now. It, yep. It was a solid card beforehand. It was a card that I... I mean, the weird thing is is that it didn't get less interesting. No. It probably got... less. Com- probably got less competitive? Probably? I don't know. I don't know either. That's the do thing. you expect, even with a short camp, do you honestly expect... Uh... Based on the two, I mean, Makachev has his last two fights. He fought Charles Oliveira. Yeah. And he fought Volkanovsky, which was yeah. more competitive. Volkanovsky was much, much Way more competitive. More. So, if anything, I think the card's gotten more competitive. Yeah. And the thing, too, is like, you know, I was I was looking forward to Paulo Costa versus Kamaru or versus uh, Kamzat Shemaev for the uh, like meme and attitude factor of yeah. it. But. Like I, I've lost a lot of faith in Paulo Costa yeah. as a guy who wants to compete at a high level. Yeah, and now his actual flesh no longer wants to compete at a high level. That's right. That's right. It's rotting off of his bones. It is. He's his body is fleeing him one small step at a time. Yeah. Those those funny funny tweets weren't enough to keep his mortal flesh <laughs> around that's right yeah i mean I, it's bizarre it, it's it is a shame that these matchups are on short notice because it's yeah. just a massive asterisk to, to two fights that would otherwise be like exactly the fights i would want to see yeah because uh you know we'll we'll just jump right into the main event we're gonna spend enough yeah. time talking about all this stuff 
But it's hard not to feel like the takeaway from Alexander Volkanovsky is on Makachev one mm-hmm. is that Volkanovsky could potentially walk out of that fight feeling like he has a better feel yeah. for Makachev's wrestling game, which would give him a better ability to focus on Makachev's striking game. Yep. And like some that. much needed respect for Makachev's striking game, which I don't yeah. feel that he had before. Yeah. And or either he didn't have enough respect for the striking game or he just had too much respect for the wrestling game. You know, it could be, I, I, I suspect a combination of the two. Yeah, because it's it's a common thing. We see this all, all the time in MMA that yeah. there are a lot of very mediocre striking wrestlers who have a lot of success striking with people yeah. because their opponents are so focused on the potential that they might get taken down. Yeah, that their large, especially their striking defense falls to shit. Yeah, exactly. You're dropping your hands. You're keeping your head online. You're keeping. You're ready to get your hips back at a moment's notice. Yeah, you just have you're a whole fo- different positional sense of what yeah. what constitutes a risky position versus a safe one, and exactly. what what the risks are that you're you're trying to ward uh, ward off. So, if Volkanovski can walk out of that first fight thinking. Okay, I know I have a better idea of what his shots look like. Mm-hmm. I have a better idea of his footwork, of what his chain wrestling looks like, what I can get up from, what I can battle back against, what I can stuff. Then he can start to to look at the the striking offense coming at him a little more. And be a little bit more of the deft counterpunching jabbing technician that we know him as. Yeah. And less of the guy who looks like he's really focused on trying to negate Makachev's wrestling that he looked like in the first fight. Yep. And if he can do a little of that, it doesn't even have to be that much. Yeah. This would be a very winnable fight, potentially. I think so. I mean, I recall feeling, and I, st- I still do feel, having rewatched it, that um, after their first fight, my, my feeling was, I think Makachev won. I don't agree with all the people who are saying that Volkanovski won. I was very ready to just say, okay, Joe Rogan, when you, I, when I, when I thought that you were about to say, I feel Volkanovski won that fight. No, no, no. I, I felt that Islam won. Yeah. I still, I still feel that way. Yeah. But at the time, my, my feeling was, I think Volkanovsky's adjustments are pretty manageable to yeah. win this rematch. It actually feel, felt, despite me thinking he, you know, fairly clearly lost and not saying it wasn't a super close and competitive fight. No, I mean, I, it was my, three rounds to two. And yeah. it had that that feel that that extra bite to it of Volkanovsky very clearly winning the last round. Yep. And whenever a fight has three rounds for one guy and two rounds for the other. And the last one is for the guy that only won two rounds. It's so hard not to reassess and go, Oh no, I think he probably won one of those other three as well. And I think there's a perfectly valid case to be made for that. A lot of people do feel that Volkanovsky won. I think Makachev won it, but I think that um, the adjustments Volkanovsky has to make Volkanovsky, who is just categorically 
a f- tremendous adjuster. Yeah. Are relatively straightforward for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think his, uh, a- again, as a, a, a combination of, I think, lack of respect for Makachev striking, because I think what happened in that fight is Volkanovsky thought he was just going to put like brute pressure on Makachev. Yeah. Definitely. He was going to swarm him and make him uncomfortable like nobody else had and uh, just walk him down and rough him up. That would be that was that was his going plan as the solution to the wrestling. Yeah. Was don't negate having to deal with it by keeping Makachev on the back foot. Overwhelming. And so we saw a ton of big shifting combos, quite uncharacteristic of uh, Volkanovsky striking, really. Mm. Uh, kind of. Like kind of his early striking, like when he first got to the UFC. Yeah, sure. More of a, you know, it was like, oh, yeah, Volk's going to step in and throw a big right hand and then shoot in on your hips kind of guy. Yeah. And probably his wariness of the takedowns um, also affected his defense because yeah. it, weirdly, the the super uh, unexpected result of that fight was that Makachev um, – pretty clearly won some long portions of the striking mm-hmm. both by just sort of keeping a lid on Volkanovsky, but also Volkanovsky sort of handing Makachev big round winning moments. Yeah. Walking into counters that got him hurt, not badly hurt, but he got a couple like flash knockdowns or staggers mm-hmm. in that fight because he was so excitable and so insistent on just walking Makachev down in a way that he usually doesn't. Um, and then also, yeah, he discovered also over the course of the fight that actually he could kind of just wrestle with Makachev. Yeah. Uh, granted, in the fourth round, he did get his back taken and he did mm-hmm. get controlled. And and in uh, the first round. And in the first. There were still portions where absolutely Makachev's incredible positional grappling was a, was a force to be reckoned with. But he also won a lot of scrambles and stuffed mm-hmm. a lot of takedowns. And then the really shocking thing and what should be a huge confidence boost for Volkanovsky coming into a rematch is that he realized he could out wrestle Makachev offensively. Yeah, he he, also, could, he could he could outlast him, especially for sure. Um, he, he, he just had more energy. Makachev was very tired by the end. Volkanovsky started taking him down. He also defeated uh, a lot of Makachev's takedown defense by being offensively potent, by actually like yeah. creating his own threats and trying to counter Makachev's attacks. Most people, Makachev fights, don't do that. We, we've talked a lot about it in the past, that one of the things that Khabib had going with him was his phenomenal athleticism. Yes. And what what that gave him is that he could get incredibly tired in fights and yeah. the, he would always know as tired as he was, that he was making you more tired than him. Yeah. As long as he stayed on top of the curve, he was winning. Exactly. And Makachev is not that athlete. He no. is. We've, we've also said before, I think Makachev is probably more technical everywhere yeah than and just and just as good at game planning which probably yeah. helped by the fact that he has khabib helping him khabib who is a great game planner yeah constructing his game plans yeah. alongside him or for him but so yeah makachev is i think we've said before he seems like 
pretty much the Sergio Pettis yep. to Khabib's Anthony. He's a better striker. He's a more yes. natural striker. He's a better technical wrestler and yeah. grappler. And But he's not as athletic. He's not as fast, and he's not as powerful. Yep. And the result was, at least in this Volkanovski fight against another really elite top-of-the-food-chain kind of athlete, who is himself very strong, like who's he, himself very strong, is that he actually couldn't he couldn't stay on top of that curve the way Khabib could. Right. You know, winning the fight and being being ahead and, and scrambling and wrestling with somebody actually made him more tired than it made Volkan, you know, his opponent. Yep. And yeah, I mean, like. In a fight that they both had proper pre- – in a rematch they both had proper preparation for, that could yeah. be a huge problem. Yeah, I mean I think I would not I, – I, there is no universe in which I pick this fight with a surfeit of confidence. No. Um, again, super close. I, I sort of just hedged my way into picking Makachev last time. I ended up being right for reasons that I had not correctly identified before the fight. Mm-hmm. The dynamics were very surprising and in some ways opposite of what we all expected. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, uh, I think if I knew there was a full camp with reasonable confidence, I think I would pick Volkanovsky, which is exactly the feeling I had after the first fight. I'm like, I think he can win this fight. I think he can mm-hmm. win it more so than I did before, even though I'm pretty sure he lost it this first go around. Yeah. The concern is... It's a short notice thing. I strongly suspect that Volkanovsky is the kind of athlete who loves working out, who loves staying in shape, who is probably in phenomenal shape year round. That is my feeling. I, I got some pushback on that, but that because that's I turned around on Twitter and I'm like, you know, I get that we all are, you know, that everybody's going like, oh, woe is us. Volkanovsky's taking this fight on short notice. I don't want to see my, my my new fave get crushed. And it's just like, he is not the dude who is ever going to be way out of shape. No. You know? It's, he seems better suited to this kind of thing than basically any other fighter. I think he is always in yeah. shape. But it is still Max Holloway both are the kinds of fighters where you just look at them and you're like, okay, you're even if you came in on a week's notice, I'm not necessarily, you know, I don't know that I'm picking Volkanovsky to win here. But my general feeling is he's a gym rat. He's a gym rat and will probably walk away all thinking, wow, that was a great fight and a competitive performance. That is my feeling, honestly. It's just, you know, when you're dividing once again a very thin line in a against two with two very good athletes in a very close fight. If Volkanovski, if the the loss here is that he doesn't have that late cardio edge, yeah. It's that if, if he doesn't have that ability to push, to, to be the one that comes out on top of the pace against Makachev at the end of the fight. Yeah. Which would be the thing I would expect not having a full camp to cost him. Because, too, as other people pointed out, he had surgery not that long ago. 
He had a kid recently. He's had other distractions in his life. I still, you know, you look at you look at his his Instagram and there's like a baby picture and then the next two or three Instagram phone things are videos of him in the gym training with people. Yeah, and the baby picture is him using the baby like one of those uh, like Turkish sandbags. Yeah, yeah. Just like flinging it around <laughs> like, <laughs> like a like a like a uh what do they what do they call what are those weights called that Joe Rogan likes? Oh, kettlebell? Yeah, like a kettlebell. Yeah. Um, so I yeah I mean I'm not gonna put a whole a lot of weight into the into those X factor narratives but I'll say like he probably won't have that cardio edge. Yeah, it seems yeah more likely than it, it would be a, a certainty based on the first fight I think that you would expect him to be able to wear Makachev down and still be there pushing as hard as he can right at the end of the fight. Yeah, and um, that might still be the case if he's in tremendous shape and. And it helps too. Like this is a huge aspect of it that Volkanovski is just a preternaturally calm and composed fighter. Yeah. yeah, he really is. I mean, you see him, you, you see him in videos and stuff. Like, you know, Sean Strickland and Israel Adesanya, it, yeah. both of them are guys who you see them ahead of fights, and you you can see the worry at the edges of their confidence. Yes, they're both guys who like. They start talking a little bit about like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. in a good place. Everything's fine. I think I know what I need to do. And you're just, you can hear it there. Volkanovsky's a dude. He's just like, nah, I love it. I'm great. We're doing good. Yep. Full yeah. speed ahead. He, he's the he's the type of dude to take a nap in the locker room. Yeah. Um. Just a, yeah. Not really an anxious fighter in any way. And and I think if he's, uh, I would hope less anxious than last time. And yeah. and I would also hope, uh, again, this is the point that Phil made, which I, I, I really agree with, less excitable than last time. Yeah. Because I think a problem for him was that he he had this really, like, idea that he had to be dogged and aggressive, and he had some early success, and then he couldn't seem to turn it off. But it was not, you know, like, Volkanovsky normally is a fighter who is really happy to just kind of sit on, like, a technical edge. Yeah. And really just take the targets that are given to him and manage the fight, manage the pace, um, not yeah, force he, he's opportunities. A who, who normally he takes things. I mean, he try, I think he, he tried to do that with Makachev too, but it was just, you know, it, it was the excitability of not quite getting to be sure of, because when you have to take something away through aggression, it's like, okay, well, how aggressive becomes too aggressive? Right. You know, but he's yeah, he's normally a fighter who he's all about. I am going to remove potential tools from your arsenal so that you are forced into relying on a very cut down version of what you would normally be trying to do. Yeah. So Volkanovsky, if we can expect to see one who's more on his jab, more on his kicking game, more uh, careful about his defense and his distance management pressuring more methodically um that uh you know as as impressive as uh islam's boxing is and it's good you know he's yeah. he is a he's a surprisingly solid boxer yeah um it's it's pretty basic stuff 
There's, yeah. not a, there's not a lot of complicated tricks there. It's like he stays in good position. He doesn't give away angles for free. He keeps his jab in a threatening position all the time, and he is ready with a quick counter. Yep. Um, and very notably, and I would like to see more of this from Islam this time around, he was also really effective with the kicks, which are consistently big, powerful kickers are the kinds of strikers who have the most success against Volkanovsky. Yeah, well, he's Pe- short. People who yeah, exactly people who can use their longest weapon and just thwack him in the body and throw big hard kicks at his head, um. But a more composed Volkanovski, more focused on the distance management of which he is the king mm-hmm. in this sport, uh, who also now knows that he can not only thwart a lot of Islam's wrestling, uh, but can in fact use wrestling even if he's losing some exchanges, can use the pace of wrestling maybe as a weapon to wear mm-hmm. Makashev down. Um, I am going to, with zero confidence whatsoever, pick Volkanovsky as if this fight were booked with a full camp. Because again, I think if, yeah. I had, if it was the full camp, I think I would have picked him. So I'm just going to go ahead and do it anyway. I I would love to see it. I hope it could happen. I, like I say, I think we'll walk away. People will walk away saying, oh, that was another great fight. And we'll all feel like Volkanovsky did really well. These are the two best dudes in the sport. I mean, that yeah. goes without saying. It's It was sensational last time. It was it, it it's going to be sensational this time. Yeah, I don't think this is a situation where we'll walk away being like, oh, Volkanovsky just, you know, he shouldn't have taken this one. I think people will walk away saying, yeah, that was a great, you know, yeah. that was a great performance and he showed up. Good on you, mate. I have to just assume that his camp, he, even if he has walked away from that last fight with knowing what to, what adjustments he could make, mm-hmm. and even if he's been working on some of them in the gym with some can, some training your trainers over that hey, I'll time. say he was a very potent offensive wrestler against Yair Rodriguez. Yeah. That was possibly just game planning, knowing how Rodriguez has lost in the past. It was also possibly him utilizing some of the shit he worked on that, that worked pretty well against Islam. Yeah. Um, knowing, I'm just going to assume that the camp preparation hasn't been as exacting as it could be. Yeah. You know, he hasn't There's been no able to, yeah. to dive as deep into unpacking Makachev's game from la- the last fight as he would like. Yeah. And that the cardio prep isn't going to be there. And it's just gonna not be enough to let him rally late yeah and if he can't do that i think makachev is gonna scrape by enough rounds again to win and we're gonna be looking at a fight where we say yeah volkanovsky did really well he showed up he had some good ideas he prevented maybe some of the success makachev had last time fell into some of the same traps again because he you know he, he wasn't perfectly ready yeah and didn't have that ability to take over the fight late mm-hmm. as makachev started to fade mm-hmm. so i i gotta go with that but otherwise cause otherwise yeah i would i would want to lean the same way i want i'd want to lean and say you know i you don't see Mik- volkanovsky get caught the way he got caught against makachev yeah. What if it's exactly the same as last time, but he just doesn't get knocked exactly, down? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and he probably, he won that fight. Yeah. Right? 
And so if I say, you know, I think Volkanovsky can adjust and, and not not fall into those traps, then I would probably pick him. But it's just it's too short notice. I, I think it'll still be great. I think it'll still be a very good fight. Like I say, you know, I think it's a much, much bigger hill to climb. Because I, you know, I was kind of, you know, I I understood in, at a base level why Makachev, when he found out that Charles Oliveira beat Benil Dariush, when he saw Charles Oliveira beat Benil Dariush, he instantly cooled on the idea of facing the winner of that fight. Because it was supposed <laughs> to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to face, he was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to face the winner of Dariush Oliveira. No question. That's what's going on in October for Abu Dhabi. And then Oliveira won. And the 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 moment he went back on social media stuff, he's like, you know, there is a there's a fight with Justin Gagey and uh mm-hmm. um who did he fight to for the BMF thing? Damn it. Did Gagey fight? Yeah, Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier. He's like, yeah, Dustin Poirier. What? You forgot who Dustin Poirier was? What the what the hell? I give me a moment. <laughs> I don't need this shit from you. Sickening. <laughs> but when Gagey fought Poirier for the BMF title, he, he but Makache was like, yeah, you know, who knows? That could be a fun idea. Let's just wait and see what happens there. And then Charles Oliveira was like, yeah, I'm not going to be ready, actually. Mm-hmm. And suddenly the UFC is left holding their dicks going, mm-hmm. oh, shit. What do we, you know, it took, they had to do a bunch of bargaining to try to rope Oliveira back into this fight and get Makachev back on board. And I understand because my, the point I was going to make is the amount of work Charles Oliveira would have to do to beat Islam Makachev honestly felt like kind of a mountain because Oliveira's game is 100% geared around over aggressive pressure mm-hmm. and the idea that you can't handle you, you can't handle tang, tangling with me on the floor mm-hmm. and that is going to create enough fear that you can't handle hanging with me in the on the feet either mm-hmm and in both cases with Makachev, he was just like, okay, well, I feel very confident I can handle you on the floor, so I'm very ready to counter you when you step into the pocket. And the adjustments that Oliveira would have to make to win that fight, they feel like they'd be really substantial. Mm-hmm. Much more so than Volkanovsky. So, 100%. It is definitely... It's a more interesting fight. Honestly, it is. Yeah. Just a shame about the short notice thing. Yeah. The, sh- the short notice is a shame, but it's interesting. And as we've already said, too, uh, Habib is a great game planner. And uh, Makachev is a good game planner, too. So you can't really count out that they'll have something new ready for this. Yeah, but Something then again, does does that perhaps mean Volkanovsky, who I think is just one of the best on-the-fly adjusters in the sport? Yeah. 
and just an all-round great rematch uh, fighter. Oh, yeah. No question. Does that mean that um, he has an advantage that uh, Islam has spent his camp preparing a game plan for true. somebody that is very, very different from Volkanovsky? It's true. Uh, if I was going to count on one of these guys to be to come up with the right approach sort of on the fly, if that's what it comes down to, it would be Volkanovsky. Yeah, because I will say, too, I mean, if we want to talk like worst fights of Habib's career. Ally Quinta. Yeah. Short notice. Habib did not. that And that was the last short notice fight he took. Mm-hmm. Really. He did not like fighting on short notice mm-hmm. ever. And I think a lot of it was because he, how meticulous he was about planning for the right opponent. Yeah. So it could be that they will be feeling like they are going in really cold to this fight. Yeah. We'll find out. Which for that reason, massive respect to both men for making yep. this fight happen again. Yeah. Whatever the circumstances, I'm happy to see it. From the sound of things, at least at the very least, Volkanovski got an extra check for it. So good for him. Yeah. Hopefully Makachev did too, because yeah, it's you know it's a big ask for both men. And so and Abu Dhabi, the Emirates are paying out the nose for these events. The UFC is before one pay per view penny is counted. Yeah, hand over fist. They have made bank on this card. So they ought to be paying that to pay an extra to these headlining fighters. Mm-hmm. All right. Odds on the fight. Makachev is the favorite still. Opened at minus 226, is currently at minus 278. So money is coming in his way. Volkanovski opened at plus 198, currently plus 238. I get it. Uh, I think it's just going to, I think people are going to be biting their nails, honestly. Yep. I think especially like the first couple rounds of this fight, it is going to, we're going to see some live odd swings that have, that have people really wringing their hands. That sounds about right. All right. That brings us to a middleweight bout. Kamaru Usman, Hamzat Chemaev. Speaking of, you know, the whole card being messed up, now we get to the man who is, through some sort of psychic force I don't fully understand, to blame. Because <laughs> the last pay-per-view that was part of blew up in very similar fashion. Yeah. Just a bunch of shit went haywire, and the main event and co-main event, and even the fight beneath that, everything got swapped around. None of the fights, you know, granted, those were fights I wanted to see less than the ones I wanted to see here, and there were mm-hmm. replacements I wanted to see a lot less than what we're seeing here, so this is a better uh, scenario. But, uh, yeah, it's Chimaev's fault. But I will say, too, that that other card getting blown up, it was actually kind of like... It was exciting. Nobody and nobody wanted to see Chimaev Nate Diaz. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like not that Chimaev Holland was a great fight either, but like, No, and not that Nate Diaz, Tony Ferguson was doing everybody a favor, but yeah. It was still nobody wanted to see 
Chimaev Diaz. So, yep. Anyway, uh, yeah, Hamza Chimaev, Kamaru Usman. This is, like I said, this is another case where the fight, I don't know if it got any better, but I don't know that it got any worse. I kind of think it did again. I mean, I, again, it's just that I have my concerns about Usman, and, but like if this was, he was like, okay, I'm going out to middleweight. I've been a huge welterweight all my career. And, uh, and I've put in a full camp preparing for this fight. I would love to see this matchup. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, I would definitely, I would love to see this fight at welterweight. I would have loved to see this fight at welterweight. Jemayev ain't, he ain't fighting at welterweight. No, he's, he's not, that's not going to happen again. But it's a, probably a fight that I would have picked Usman to win at welterweight, yeah. having mm-hmm. rewatched uh, Chimaev against Gilbert Burns. Because what we saw there was Chimaev come flying out of the gate, meet somebody that he couldn't just overpower by winging right hands at. Yep. And then a lot of his wrestling game stalled out. Yep. And he still, it was a great testament to how well conditioned he is. And how overwhelmingly confident and huge and powerful and accurate he is. Yeah, that he still won that fight. But it was like a guy both struggling and succeeding because he had yet to discover that this was a kind of fight he could lose. Yeah. And Usman does not lose fights the way Chimaev won that one. No. He doesn't. He's not a dude that's ever just been like pinned on the fence and out hustled. Mm-hmm. He's too, you know, we talked to, not to fall way back on ancient laurels here, mm-hmm. but, you know, when, when uh, Tom and I, TP Grant and I, uh, scouted Usman pre-tough and we're talking to uh, Coach Mike about him and we, you know, we scouted him. We were like, Usman's a future champion. That's that's what the tape is telling us. Nailed it. Yep, nailed it. And Mike was, we talked to Coach Mike, uh, noted, absolutely excellent wrestling uh, analyst. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, yeah, he wasn't, you know, the greatest wrestler in uh, college, but he is was is and was freakishly strong. Yeah, just and there were there's a video of like dudes getting way in on takedowns against Usman and him just like hip bumping out of it. And suddenly the takedown is gone just an insanely difficult guy to move and out strength in a clinch. So I look at like Chimaev Burns and see how much Chimaev had to lean on Gilbert Burns in the clinch and just Mm -hmm. kind of manhandle him to the mat. And it's not hard for me to feel like, okay, well, Maybe that's a battle Usman can win. Mm-hmm. And if he can win that battle, he's a cleaner striker than Gilbert Burns. No question. You know? He's got a he's, jab. 
He's got a yeah, he's got a jab. He knows how to sit on it. He is uh more prone to just getting caught cold than Burns in different ways cuz Burns I, is I would say similar similarly, similarly prone. prone but for different reasons. Yeah. I guess is what I would say. Burns is a fighter who he selects a combo and then he just kind of runs with it and whatever happens to him happens, mm-hmm. you know? He's kind of got a more um he's got a a less polished version of Edson Barboza's problem, mm-hmm. I think. Where Kamaru Usman has a more durable, less insidious version of Phil Haas problem. <laughs> yeah. Where I think Kamaru Usman just has tunnel vision. Yeah. He is so focused on what he is doing and what he is looking for that he just doesn't stuff just hits him out of nowhere. Yeah. Or like Patrick Cummins. Yeah. <laughs> it just gets hit when he gets hit. It boy, is it clean? Yeah. And he's, he's mitigated it better and he's more durable than Haas or Cummins. He's just, he's a more, he's a better taught striker who is further along in the, uh, Henry Hooft system and has better problem solving when that happens. Mm-hmm. But it, it has that same sort of like you see Usman when he gets hit by even like guys like Colby Covington who are no kind of power striker. Mm-hmm. It just shakes him up. You know? And that is really, I think, the biggest concern. Yes. Usman has been looking a little old. He's been looking a little old, slower. Um, we know he's had just been absolutely plagued by knee injuries. Yeah. I didn't think he coped particularly well with the sort of um, gesture at pressure fighting from Leon Edwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that has also been a recurring thing with him that he has just been less assertive. Yeah. Than he used to be. And. I don't want to be the guy who's like looking at, you know, fight week footage and being like, uh oh, because I hate that. That's like one of the worst guys to be. <laughs> but I'm going to be that guy. Like you saw that th- that that footage of him rolling with uh, Justin Gagey, right? I did not actually. OK, well, uh, tell you me. Go, you should go look at it. I will uh, drop it in our uh in our uh chat here okay cool but uh there's footage of Kamaru Usman during uh open mat workout this week with Justin Gagey and he throws Justin Gagey and after throwing him he says something that at the end of it sounds like the word popped mm-hmm. is in there. And then he gets up with a hand on his left leg and immediately stops the open mat workout. And then 
they walk off the floor, the the mat, and as they're walking off, you can see Usman still with his hand on that left leg, just start to shake it out a little. Mm-hmm. And Usman got uh, we bloody elbow. It, it, MMA Junkie first posted it, and uh, a few sites have been looking at it and stuff, but. Our Twitter feed posted it well and as well, and Usman and Gagey both got real defensive about it immediately. Mm. With Gagey claiming that he said that he was going to go spar, that that Usman had said he's all good, and is going to go do pads with Cosmo, and that's what he said, and not the word popped at all. Hey, could be, could not be. All we know is that. Usman does have knee issues, and he is definitely shaking out his left knee <laughs> after that uh, role. Now, I will say, uh, despite all of that, Usman's knee issues have not shown up as drastically. Yeah, I will say this is pro- – to me, my thought was, okay, this is probably an old issue that he knows about and trains around. Yes. And as – as worried with the, uh, with the adrenaline of an actual fight pumping through his veins. Yeah. He'll, he seems to cope with it pretty well. It'll probably be fine. Nonetheless. Yeah. I do. You know, he's probably also very much does not want. Uh, Hamzat Shemaev thinking about Kamaru Usman having a problem with his left knee. You know, yeah, so I can see why he and Gagey both would be running lots of cover for that. Yep, it's plausible. And uh, I don't know if you you watched the video, but yeah, I'm watching it now on loop. Yeah. Yeah. No, no question. His knee is yeah. feeling tender. Whatever he said. Yeah, whatever <laughs> he said. You he's can favoring tell. it. Yeah. So. Um, I just. I gotta pick Chimaev. Yeah. If this were a calculated move to middleweight, because he's been talking about making one. If it were a calculated move to middleweight and he were on a full camp, I might pick him. He's not going to be that much smaller than Kamza, which I think we saw in the Burns fight, like a combination of both skill, but also because a lot of Kamza's opponents have frankly kind of sucked. Yeah. Um, have certainly not been the caliber of wrestler of Kamaru or indeed Gilbert Burns. And we saw that his, we really saw, I think, the limits of his takedown game in particular um, against Gilbert Burns, that he just, he struggled to take him down. And when he did get him down, he couldn't keep him down because, uh, you know, and, and a lot of Kamzat's takedowns in other fights are like, of course, he's got a great shot, you know, very yeah. fast, powerful shot. He sets it up well. He's so confident going for it. Uh, that's part of it. But even the likes of like uh, Kevin Holland and like Reese McKee were able to like grab a whizzer and escape. And I think in both of those fights, he uh, they got back to their feet immediately. And then he just sort of like shucked by. He did like a throw by to a rear waist cinch and just picked them up. Mm-hmm. And dropped them. And I don't care what shape Kamaru Usman's knee is in. It is difficult for me to envision somebody just picking him up off his feet and dumping him on the ground. Uh, yeah. You know, base just too heavy, too good a wrestler. And he's not going to be, as for the size aspect, 
he's not really that much smaller than Chimaev. Yeah. I believe Chimaev is, who's obviously was a huge welterweight and can't make it anymore. I think he's two inches taller than Usman, and Usman has an inch of reach on him. Yeah. And Usman is himself a very, we've consistently uh, in the past been surprised, like by reminders of just how huge he is as a well, as a welterweight. Yeah. He's a big dude. He is. He just, he doesn't stand out as much as Chimaev cause he's not, he doesn't look as long and tall. He's thick. He is like a broad, but he's big. He, he's one hell of a broad. <laughs> <laughs> so absolutely. Um, if he's uh, Darren Till sized. Yeah. Usman. And Darren Till had no problems being at middleweight. That was not a size. There was no size issue there. Yeah. The physicality was not the problem. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I totally, if this was a full camp kind of thing, I think I would pick Usman. The thing, even after the so, loss to Edwards, but I, I will say my, my note of caution is that it really does help wrestlers to be bigger than their opponents for sure a lot. And I can easily see a world where the middleweight version of Usman is a dude who I really got to stop. Usman, like I, I, I can't emphasize the ooh too much, or I start sounding like I'm saying Usman. Like, yeah. Yeah. Kamaru, the the legend of the ooze man. Yeah, yeah. Kamaru, Kamaru Usman. Um, but uh, I could see a world where him at middleweight is just a dude who gets like leaned on against the cage. You know? Can you though? I I yeah. I, I kind of disagree there. I don't know. I could see a version where like the less the doesn't throw as much, isn't as effective, is getting old, and his legs are getting shot. Yeah, I can see a version where it's just starting like he's not getting taken down, maybe, but we're just yeah. seeing him in battles where he's not necessarily winning them all. And eh, you're just like, eh. I'll say this. If I am picking Chimaev, if he yeah. takes Kamaru down more than like once or and can keep him down or if he like controls him in the clinch, I would take that as a very bad sign for Kamaru Usman. Yeah, with or without prep that I am not expecting. I will be unpleasantly surprised to see that. Oh. I am expecting Chimaev to hurt Usman on the feet. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Usman gets knocked out. Yeah. Frankly. It's and if been not something... that, then at least to, to get knocked down and to just have to barely survive in some rounds and maybe win the third or something. But um, yeah, I'm just, just being fragile and being it, it being possible to hit him super duper clean and Chimaev coming with a tricky like southpaw jab and like a weird uppercut and yeah, head and kicks. Middleweight, maybe the move up will help his chin, which has be always been good. Could not cutting weight could help, but it'll also be like that jump from welterweight to middleweight. Yeah, you are moving up to the big boys that hit hard. Yep, like they aren't as skilled, but they do start to hit a lot harder. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, Chimaev was a welterweight until his last he fight. He was a welterweight too, but he was clearly, Chimaev has the power to be a middleweight. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if Usman, if his, if his boxing tr- will translate the same, mm-hmm. even with his strength, you know, he's got, he's, he's got, he had, he had some solid power as a welterweight, but it was rarely just like one and done kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 
So, yeah, I'm not. I, I can't pick Usman here. It just, and I, I, it does, it does feel like a fight that he could be very competitive in. I just don't think this will be a competitive version of it. And even, even it, it could be competitive for him at 185. Mm-hmm. But the short notice here, it's and, a concern. And the age, it's just getting a concern too. It's getting to a point where, yep. You know, 36, 37, bad knees. Yep. But hey, Chemaev was both impressive for like his raw talent, but also less impressive than in any previous fight by a good margin. Oh, yeah. In his very first encounter with an actual elite welterweight in Gilbert Burns. Yep. It's very clear that at least that version of Chemaev, who knows what's happened to him since then. It's been quite a while. I find it hard to believe that he's been doing a whole lot of progressing. His life appears to have been insane. Yeah, and he seems like the the big notable thing that we've been hearing for him is that he's now na- he he's now taken over uh, Abdul Karim Adilov's position as nanny to the uh, the children of yeah. uh, dictator Ramzat Ramzat Yeah, which uh, if you know what happened to Adilov. At uh-huh. the end of that, that's not good news for Chemayev fans. <laughs> Certainly not. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, if he's doing that kind of stuff all the time, it's kind of unlikely that he's getting a lot of work in with the best coaches around. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're really good, honestly, actually high level MMA coaches who work with a lot of international talent, they're probably not going to want to throw their life in with uh, a dictator known for potentially uh, having people close to him killed. Yeah. It's not then a real again, uh, these are MMA coaches. <laughs> then again, these are MMA coaches. It's true. And certainly MMA fighters have, yeah. not, uh, have not been cautious about being seen with uh, Ramzan Khan. No, no, no. With him. Yeah, they've – and I know for, Verdum has been a, a big Akmak guy yep. for a while. So who knows? Maybe I'm just spouting off there about nothing. But Shemayev is a big favorite here. Opened at minus 269, currently minus 297. Usman opened at plus 231, currently at plus 252. Yeah, I mean, it's the short notice, the age, the injury potential, the moving up a division for what, Mm -hmm. like, I have to feel like is in this case, even though Usman's talked about it in the past, I got to feel like it's he's doing it because it's short notice. Mm-hmm. You know, if he had a full camp, he would probably be demanding a welterweight fight. Yeah. I can't help but feel like that's the case as well. And all that just has to weigh against him. All right. Now let's talk about light heavyweight bout <laughs> Magomed Ankalaev, Johnny Walker. And, um, this requires much less detail. Uh, yeah, I will kick this off by saying that there is no universe in which Magomed Ankalaev should lose to Johnny Walker. Yeah. But it is a far more distinct possibility 
than I would like it to be. <laughs> he is he has a a real talent for just not really seeming to know like uh, how or why he wins fights. Yeah, he's just he was. This is another dude. I'll I'll get to with Uncle Ivan and Usman on the same card. I can't help but trumpet the scouting report. Uh, Uncle I was another scouting report dude that we watched. You know, I, I watched him in 2014 when he fought Dov, Dovletstan Yagshamuradov, now Bellator fighter. You're like, like this Man. guy is going to have a frustrating split draw with a second-rate light heavyweight champion. That's right. That's exactly what I said. Nailed it once again. Nailed it once again. But I'm not like, going to win the title, but. Boy, is he going to come maddeningly close? <laughs> yeah. No, I did. I, I did. was like, this is a this dude's a future title contender. Uh he's incredibly well put together, but man, he doesn't pull the trigger enough. Yep. And he just that has basically just stayed true. Yep. He is still mostly the same dude he was back then, but. He doesn't pull the trigger enough. And honestly, I think the unfortunate part here for a dude who is incredibly durable by all accounts Mm -hmm. is that he does not trust himself to pull the trigger more without getting hurt. Yeah. That's what I've seen in his fights. In like the the Tiago Santos fight and the Nikita Krylov fight, especially, what really came across was a sense that if he has to sit down and really open up on his strikes, mm-hmm. Uncle Iev gets very wary of his striking defense and getting hit and gets easy to fluster. In yeah. easier than you'd expect to fluster. And, and counterintuitively, that striking defense would, it seems, probably be much stronger and more consistent if he just believed in his ability yeah. to 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 throw with commitment and just not get brutally punished. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, that leaves a little avenue for Johnny Walker here as mm-hmm. a giant who can accidentally just sort of stumble his way into wrecking anybody. And also a giant who, thanks to the uh, innovative efforts of um, SBG Ireland, who are really, if you think about it, more of a movement camp than a fight camp, you know? Yeah. Like Bow- um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, they, they have uh, done everything in their power to turn him into a uh, horrible-to-watch, slow-paced, outside kick man. Love love Johnny Walker in his, uh, no, Makwan Amir Khani phase. Yeah, right. But uh, Johnny Walker kick man, uh, huge, powerful. What, what, what happened in that fight with Blokovic again? Blokovic is like worlds better than Johnny Walker. Yeah. No question. He is so much more well-rounded. He's a much better wrestler and grappler. Mm-hmm. I mean, Walker got like uh, thrashed by Nikita Krilov. Yeah. Um, 
Well, and uh, and also a much better kickboxer. But it's notable that Ankalaev, through his own reticence and hesit and hesitation, got his leg ripped off his pelvis by Jan Blakovich. Yeah. And that uh, there is a world in which Johnny Walker just dances around and throws five super hard low kicks per round and gets that effect <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because Uncle Liev doesn't push him hard enough. Here's what I'm hoping for. Uncle Liev has learned literally anything. Literally anything. That he comes into this fight and he's like, you know what? I'm going to do what I'm, I'm going to dance with the girl that what brung me to the dance. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to out wrestle Johnny Walker. And if he does yeah. that, if he just simply has that in mind, he should crush Johnny Walker. Oh, yeah. I mean, Uncle I have one of the big things about him. Say what you will about his stand up reticence. His ground and pound is some of the best in MMA. Savage because he feels safe. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's like if you can just get over whatever it was against Jan Blakovich that had him even at the point of having his leg again torn off of his body, still like not leaning on his wrestling until past the point when he absolutely needed to. Yeah. If he can get over whatever that issue is, he should be able to mop the floor quite literally with Johnny Walker or just step in and throw one twos. Even if you don't want to wrestle, just step in and even just... that'll probably work, but why bother? Wrestle yeah, it's Johnny true. Walker wrestle. Yeah. Yeah. I got to pick Magomed Ankalaev here. Same, but it is, it is funny to think that there is, an SBG answer out there, an SBG Walker version that could beat Magomed Ankalaev just by being too big for Ankalaev to want to take the chance on. Yep. And then out there throwing low kicks, which is the one thing that SBG has stapled onto his game. Yep. Yeah. Johnny Walker simply being large and imposing and having a goofy look on his face, like literally like the goofy meme where he's like, I'll fucking do it again. Yeah. <laughs> that's Johnny. That's Johnny Walker's personality. And that's intimidating to a guy like Uncle Iof. <laughs> he might do it again. I believe him. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, like it's it, it. All I'm saying is that this is a this is Uncle Live's fight to lose. And it is. Uh, both an indictment on him and Johnny Walker that it is not quite the zero chance yeah. uh, that it should be that Johnny Walker yeah. somehow wins. He should if, not win, and I'm not going to pick him to win. If Walker goes out there and makes goofy mistakes, Ankalaev has at the same time shown an incredible ability to just punish goofy mistakes. Yeah, absolutely. And Johnny Walker has been looking bad. Yeah. Like worse yeah. than he was before. People who like Iwan Kudalaba going out there and just being like, yeah, I'll, what if I just throw big wild punches at you? What are you going to do then? Got absolutely shit kicked by Ankalaev. Yeah. Both twice, both for real and yeah. uh, and pretend. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. The, the most hilarious thing ever is to kayfabe yourself into exactly the outcome you would have had. Had you not kayfabed it? Yeah. Like, oh, I, I was faking getting hurt. It, I, if, I, if I hadn't really done that, we would have been fighting still. And then to go back, get the rematch and just get tuned up. Just get the exact. <laughs> <laughs> like, the man is the man is a genius. Yeah. He, won he is, is not a real genius. But... Right there. <laughs> yeah, it really is. 
Anyway, Ankalaya's I mean, fight to lose, not picking him to lose it. Uh, Chima, uh, let's see. Ankalaev is a big favorite here. Opened at minus 332. It's currently minus 357. Got down as low as minus 415 at one point, but odds swinging back just a little bit. Walker opened at plus 279, currently at plus 297. Got up as high as plus 337 at one point. All right, that takes us to a middleweight bout. Ikram Alaskarov, Warley Alves. Past Kamzat Chimaev opponent, Ikram Alaskarov. Yeah. Guy, Last guy to beat him was Chimaev, and it's been six or seven fights since then. He's a good fighter. Yeah. And, uh, well, and a huge, uh, a major pump, uh, pump up your man moment for Islam Makachev. This is his, if, mm. if Makachev was the dude that Khabib was out there pumping up, mm-hmm. Alaskarov is the dude out there that Makachev is pumping up. Mm-hmm. Um, he's that, the, the Chris Avila to Makachev's yeah. Nate Diaz. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> that said, Alex Garab isn't bad. Yeah. He's definitely been protected, though. Yeah. And that showed pretty readily against Phil Haas. Mm-hmm. Because Phil Haas just went out there and for two minutes of that fight just tuned Alaskarov up. Yeah. And, you know, outstruck him, outmaneuvered him, hurt him, everything, had him looking five ways and not knowing what to do. And, and of I, course, I, I respected the fact that Alaskarov just went berserker mode to win that fight. Yeah. Because being Phil Haas... We have also discussed, like, being so tunnel vision focused on your own offense only. All all Alice Goff really needed to do was just, like, what if I just start throwing more shit harder? Mm -hmm. And then Phil Haas, like, it wasn't, you know, the head kick hurt him, and then he didn't know have any idea what to do. And that one, too, it didn't even have to land that clean for Phil Haas to just never see it coming, have no Mm -hmm. idea what happened to him. Um, Warley Alves is such a weird guy to be in this same position then. I know. Because, okay, once again, Warley Alves, he's coming in on three weeks notice, but he's also, or two weeks notice, but he's also coming in on short notice here. This was supposed to be Nasadin Imovov. Oh, I don't think I realized that. And that would, have been a, that would have been a good fight. Yeah, it would have been a good fight. I mean, I would have picked Imovov, but it would have been a good fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably much like Usman, the only reason that Warley Alves is taking this fight at middleweight is because he's coming in on short notice. Mm-hmm. He was a middleweight in the past briefly for the Ultimate Fighter, but he's never done it again, and he's never missed weight. So the and he's only 5'11", so there's never really been a sign that he was going to go up to middleweight. Mm-hmm. He can do a lot of the stuff Phil Haas did to trouble Al Skarov. Mm-hmm. He's not nearly as clean on his with his hands as Haas, which I think was 
the real big shock for Alice Karoff is that Haas these days throws, he's very busy with his jab and he's very clean with his one, two straight down the pipe. Mm -hmm. Like Haas has to be the most like hot and cold, all of dad's love. None of his, all of his rage fighter in the uh, Henry Mm -hmm. Hook stable. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, I don't even know what that means, but of course I do. Yeah, no, of course you do. Like, he is so, he has picked up so much of what Hooft wants to impart on the fighters he trains up. Like, we have seen Phil Haas go from a dude who, like, this guy started out with Jackson Wink. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine how much work Hooft had to do? Yeah. To undo that. And like you look at him now and you go out and you watch like Phil Haas against Alaskarov. You watch him against Roman Delidze. You watch him against Deron Wynn and Chris Curtis. All of these past four fights, he comes out, he just looks like a machine. Mm-hmm. He is running all of the combos in his mind, tight, controlled, powerful. Everything works. Somehow confident and smooth, despite yeah. what happens to him every other fight. And, but the tunnel vision just, that's why I say it's a tunnel vision problem with him. Yeah, yeah. Is that he is so focused on what he is doing that he just can't see it when it goes wrong. And uh, that sucks. <laughs> like, like so I say, doesn't- that... Somehow he just, I mean, we talked about this last time. Phil Halls has this really strange sort of inexplicable quality where he just can't tell when he's vulnerable. Yeah. Like even when he's on defense. Yeah. As he was at the last moment, really, uh, like he was in like slip and counter mode against mm-hmm. Alaskarov. He just couldn't tell like when Alaskarov was like too close and he should take a step back or when he should angle off or whatever. He couldn't tell when he was just like, squared up and just yeah. wide open to get hit and he was thinking defense yeah like i say i think have a sense for striking there's uzman is much better but there is a bit there's a tiny sliver of that yeah. to him as well yeah um so warley alves isn't nearly as clean as phil haas but he does have the super powerful body kicks that Haas used that really troubled Alaskarov because it was at a range where Alaskarov is very much a I'm used to being all the way out or jumping all the way in kind of fighter mm-hmm. and relying on that burst and that speed and that surprise to get him by fighters. They just don't, you know, they're not used to somebody being that athletic. And Alves, Alves can probably take take away the safety at range from him, and he doesn't have the same level of just I don't know I don't know what's coming that Phil Haas has. Mm-hmm. But he also has like a meltdown mode. Yep. And given a little bit of short notice, given it's up a division, given how much of a suffocating wrestler Alaskarov can be mm-hmm. to go with that sudden surprise striking, I have to pick him here. 
but there is a very much a feeling of like Alaskarov feels does feel to me like a a less physically overwhelming version of Hamzat Shemaev. Yeah. Who will be up undressed in much shorter order than him. Yeah. By a couple of fighters who can just, you know, like I, I, I would probably pick Marc-Andre Barrio right now over Alaskarov. Just with the, like, he he's strong. He He's a better striker than he used to be. And he's still the most durable guy that has ever fought kind of thing. But Alves, I have seen him lose far too many ways against far too many fighters. Yeah. Start hot, fall apart, lose his pl- sense of place in a fight. What's going on? He just kind of tends to forget what he should be working on. Worley Alves is not to the comical extreme of a Terrence McKinney. Uh, in that it is a sustainable version. Yeah. But but he is a front runner. Yeah, he's a big front runner. He is a bully. And yeah, that there is, as you said, meltdown mode when uh, Alves, uh, when, when the fight starts to turn against him, he hates it. Yeah. Uh, or when it just becomes difficult and scrappy. And it's like, He's still dangerous. You know, he has mm. had fights like that where, uh, you know, I, I remember, man, I remember probably like right when I started doing the show with you, mm-hmm. I was like, I think Alan Joban beat him. Yeah. Right. Didn't, didn't I say? Something yeah, like yeah, that? yeah, yeah, yeah. I was all upset. I was like, uh, yeah, you know, Alan Joban did really good. I didn't think Worley Elvis did very good, but like that, that is the limit of Alvis's ability to weather a tough fight. And he didn't mm. look particularly good doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, against a a dangerous but quite limited fighter in Alan Joban, who was himself like liable to get tuned up and and knocked around. Um, and I just don't think that's a quality you want to have against Alaskarov, who's got a well-rounded skill set, who aside from getting one-shotted by Kamzat Shumayev, has been quite durable. Yeah. Um, and certainly, if nothing else, against Phil Halls showed that he can get beaten up a bit, and his response to that is to get mad. And just start firing on all cylinders. And that is exactly the kind of um, switch flip that uh, I think Worley Alves just hates. He just hates the experience of somebody yeah. being like, fuck you, you're not going to beat me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm taking uh, Alaskarov as well. I'm a, I'm a little more um, positive on Alaskarov than you, too, I think. I, I think he's uh, perhaps a slow starter. And a little shaky, but I think he's 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 got I, I think he's got a pretty good feel for like pocket exchanges and striking as the fight wears on. Yeah, I just don't like the way how badly surprised he got by Haas yeah. hitting him. Yeah. It really looked like it was one of those like. Oh, I'm not used to somebody being able to just take yeah. what I'm dishing out or be ready for my speed. And fire away at me. And his his defensive reactions were really poor. Yeah, when that no, no doubt about that. So I get the feeling that there are dudes tough enough at middleweight to just 
weather him and come back at him with stuff where he will put himself in bad positions yeah. when he gets hit that are um he, he's gonna make bull- it hard for him to fight his way through yeah he's he's a bully too but uh but the resilient kind like yeah Chaz, yeah where it's like you you actually have to he, he doesn't i don't think he's breakable in the way yeah. that worley alves is or phil hall's yeah no 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 well yeah like i say with yeah, with 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 Alves, it's a meltdown. With Haas, it's just tunnel vision. Alistairov catastrophe. Yeah, yeah. Alistairov, there are just technical training limitations and level of competition limitations that yeah. he hasn't really experienced a lot before. Yeah, that you know we don't know yet what the we'll see what happens when, you know, how, how pathological that becomes when he faces a lot of harder fights. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, 30 years old. Yep. Been fighting since 2012. I mean, you know, yeah, we, right we place, might... right time to test himself mm-hmm. and to, and to make those final little adjustments that turn him into the, uh, the best version he's going to be. Yep. All right. Al Skarov opened at, Minus five fifteen, currently minus five ninety-five. Alves opened at plus four oh five, currently plus four fifty-five. I don't it's very wide, but it's that's also very wide. I do not knocking out Phil Hawes yeah. is the best win that Ikrama Alaskarov has to date. Uh, maybe Dennis Tealoup submitting Dennis Tealoulin, actually. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's pretty quality. But but a pretty those... one-note one brawling striker. I mean, Worley Elvis can grapple. Yeah. And then otherwise, out you know, out-wrestling former strike force uh, light or welterweight Nishan Burrell. Mm-hmm. Like, these are... These are all wins that I very much would expect a fighter like Alaskarov to get. Mm-hmm. And they should not be indicative of him as like a wide favorite against the rank and file of the UFC yet. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like, it's a lot it's a lot more hype than uh than substance, but it is also Worley Alves going up a weight class on short notice. Yeah. Uh while still presumably being Worley Alves. So Yeah. Just saying, like, knocking out Phil Haas didn't suddenly make Julian Marquez a, a world-class. <laughs> no, exactly. Anyone who doesn't knock out Phil Haas should be slightly embarrassed. Yeah. Because <laughs> it happens a lot. It does. Uh, it's a weird thing in uh, in MMA. I mean, obviously, you can still get a sense of someone's power against uh, a chinny fighter, but there is a weird tendency to assign godlike power to uh to fighters based on them knocking out a famous famously infamously fragile opponent yeah one of the things i think that re- i've really become attuned to over the years as a difference between boxing and mma is that boxing adjusts for durability really early on in most yeah. fighters careers yeah your your undurable boxers tend to get weeded out in a hurry yeah. they, they'd better be a legendary defensive savant yeah they better be like there's a guy named el radar wilfredo benitez yeah who was like kind of chinny but was a beast on defense 
And that is the only way you can be chinny and be a high-level boxer. Yeah. MMA does not weed out for durability. No. Uh, until you get to a pretty high level. If ever, which is if why ever. people will yeah. watch Francis Ngannou knock out Alistair Overeem. Again, not saying Francis Ngannou doesn't hit like a truck. Sure. But that is not really compelling evidence of punching power. <laughs> it's Alistair Overeem. Yeah. MMA does not adjust for du- durability that well. There are plenty of fighters because you can you can wrestle around it. You can grapple around it. You exactly. can do a Give lot up. to mitigate having a bad chin for a long time in MMA. You're like, you know, Julian Arosa has had like three UFC stints now. And his chin is just terrible. <laughs> and he's doing pretty well right now. Uh-huh. He's on like a pretty good run. Yep. And it just he and he's no kind of defensive savant. No, he's God, a, no. He's, he is terrible defensively and has a bad chin. He's a so. defensive savant. Savant. <laughs> I don't I don't know. <laughs> I'll, I'll work on that one. I'll work yeah, on that one. Yeah. I, let me sleep for 16 hours straight, and then I'll come. I'll come with something really good. All right. Um. All right. That brings us to our final fight of the main card: Said Nurmagomedov against Muin Gafarov. And um, kind of a weird fight to be on the main card. Yeah, I suppose it's because is wait is Saeed one of the ones who's even related to uh, the Khabib clan? I do not believe he is. He, he's just a he's just a a Smith, a Dagestani Smith. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, whatever the uh, whatever the case there. I mean, Saeed is obviously super talented. He is also uh, immensely frustrating to me in particular. Mm-hmm. Because. He has a striking style that I think would be accurately described as bad. <laughs> um, like his decision making is stupid. Mm-hmm. He has no notion of how to conserve his energy. Um, and he doesn't seem to be able to distinguish between like a useful uh, high percentage technique and a trick. Yeah. And so, you know, and he got uh, exposed for this in two of his recent fights. One, um, the still insane, insanely uh, cut fighter, Saeed Yukum Kakramanov. Yep. Who just like didn't give a shit about what Saeed was doing on the feet and just mopped the floor with him in the wrestling department. Mm hmm. Uh, and then basically got like chance submitted, which, you know, that, that is a good sign of a kind that Saeed is like, he, he doesn't give up. Yeah, and, he's uh, resilient and he knows how to do a lot of things. This, yep. You know, he's he can stay dangerous. He was in there still hustling in a fight that he was roundly losing all the way. Um, so credit to him for that. And then he had to fight with Jonathan Martinez where he did a bunch of stupid stuff and got tired. And got clinched, and it turned out like actually his game is not that deep. And if you pressure him just a little bit, he will just back himself into the fence, and then a lot of his game will fall apart because it's mostly stupid kicks. Yeah. Um. So there is a universe where Muin Gafarov, who is a super aggressive, wild swinging puncher and wrestler, mm-hmm. 
gets a bunch of takedowns on Said Nurmagomedov and yeah. bashes him up against the fence after wearing him down a little bit. Um, but there's also a universe that we actually live in where <laughs> this was not enough to beat Chad and Helliger. Yeah. Or John Castaneda. Or John Castaneda. We, we admire as a very sharp and thoughtful fighter uh, and an excellent preparer, but who is not an elite athlete. Yep. And basically just like weathered Gafarov's shots and just smashed him with harder shots in return and even wrestled competitively with him. Mm-hmm. And um, Gafarov is just like a sieve defensively. He, it, it is all aggression and yeah. confidence and no, he's the kind of fighter who he fights like there's a difference between being confident and fighting like your opponent can't hurt you. Yeah. He is the latter side of that. Yeah. Like he fights with an aggression that just takes n- into no account at all what the opponent might be doing. And this is weird because I know this is going to sound like the Phil Haas thing again. It's actually a different idea. Like Phil Haas, there is a tunnel vision where he is only able to kind of, he's only really able to focus and and picture his own (laughs) body at work. Phil Haas has one of those conditions where like he can't visualize but is yeah. specifically limited to what his opponent is doing. He has a vivid imagination, except when it concerns any other person. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the, it's like how, how uh, Brad Pitt has face blindness. <laughs> does but he actually? Just, yeah, he does. Oh, how weird. Yeah. So he doesn't know how hot he is. He has it's no the, idea. Right. The, one of the great ironies of the universe. Wow. He's just like, I'll take your word for it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone says so. So anyway, I'm going to go home to my ugly wife <laughs> with her normal lips. Yeah. <laughs> her so. normal lips and modest breasts. He well, knows exactly what she looks like. There's, there's, I'm not going to even get into all that. And my three kids. So you're, you're, seven you're, kids you're, your I, pop culture references are now way, so far out of date that I do not want to dive into them. My my. <laughs> I have to keep going with the Angelina Jolie thing just long enough to say, and my seven of kids, whom I assume are all white. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Oh, Lord. (laughs) I did not know that about Brad Pitt. But yeah, yeah. but uh, Galfarov has a, a, a species of aggression, which I think you could actually describe as bluster. Yeah. He's like, please don't, make me confirm that I'm actually as good as I'm pretending it, to be, that this aggression is totally justified. It's either bluster or unhinged, whichever way you want to. Yeah. Like. He's a maniac. He's just going out there and he's just like, screw it. Who cares what we're trying to do out here? Yeah. I'm, I'm fighting. And it, all I need to do is try my hardest and I will win. You know? He does, and there's enough pressure and just rude aggression there that, uh, yeah, Saeed could once again pay for his uh, near total lack of ring craft. Yeah, I don't but, think so. Uh, but yeah, Saeed is a phenomenal athlete. He is, even when he was dead gassed against Jonathan Martinez, he was shocking the hell out of him with the speed of every strike he managed to throw. 
He's powerful. He is a very quick opportunistic submission threat. Yep. Uh, Lord knows a lot of the takedowns Gaffrock goes for are very sloppy. And again, just more sort of bravado and gusto than technique. Uh, I'm going to pick the superior athlete with the more, I hate to say it, sophisticated striking game. Yep. Odds on the fight. Nurmagomedov is a big favorite opened at, or a reasonable favorite, opened at minus 189, currently minus 209. And Gafarov opened at plus 167, currently plus 184. I think he could be a bigger favorite, frankly. Yeah. Like, Gafarov not being able to beat Chad and Helliger is a huge red flag. It really is, yeah. His other wins... You know, get being able to pick up wins on the LFA circuit or the UAE circuit, it's just, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't say enough about how defensively void he is for the UFC. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. For our Substack subscribers, we're going to have a little bit of bonus content here. And for the rest of y'all, well, it's time to subscribe to our Substack. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey, Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection main card and prelims UFC preview shows, the sixth round post-fight show, the Show Money podcast, and the MMA depressed us.